Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice of the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I, And welcome to the new year. Welcome to 2023. Welcome to the show. Uh, it is January 4th, 2023, here on uh, or 5.30 p.m. here on the East Coast. It's been a while, folks. It's been like two weeks. Two weeks of no gym, two weeks of no podcast, just vibes and really half-assed attempts at doing my day-to-day job. Uh, my day job. Yeah, walking through it. But anyway, we're back. Here to talk some baseball stuff, some football stuff. Some stuff is more serious than the other stuff. Um, you you ready to get started, Corwin? Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the with the relatively immediate baseball stuff because um, it's happening now, and reports are as we are uh, on the phone talking to each other this exact moment. The Red Sox and Rafael Devers are in the midst of finalizing an 11-year, $331 million contract that is slated to get started in the 2024 season with Rafi Devers playing um, on a essentially like one-year, $17 million contract uh, for the 2023 season. So, Corwin, big news. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh. I think this is the best value deal that we've seen so far, or at least I listen, it's early. My mind has not yet made it. I have not, not yet. Fuck. I have not yet made up my mind. Yes. Um, I like it for Boston. I think it's a lot of money. I'm glad Devers got it, especially from Boston because boy, they missed out on everyone else coming to their team. Um, they really had to pay to not necessarily get their guy, but fucking get something. Um, and boy, Devers is a hell of a quote unquote consolation prize. Um, I'm a fan question mark. I'm a fan uh, until I, proven otherwise. Honestly, Corwin, I, I'd strip that question mark right out. You gotta be a fan of this. This is a hell of a deal. Um, Rafi Devers, it's so funny because if you look at his baseball reference page, it actually doesn't look very impressive. Um, He's received MVP votes in three seasons, but hasn't finished top 10. Two All-Stars. He's got a Silver Slugger. He's led ML. He's led the American League uh, in doubles once and total bases once, which was the same season. And outside of that, there's no other black ink on his page. Um, that and he, in his the six MLB seasons so far, he has amassed only 15.2 war. But it, it's really kind of unfair because it doesn't paint the picture of the who Rafi Devers is kind of like shown he can be and one would hope turns into as he starts entering what we consider to be a player's prime years. And if he becomes the player that we're expecting him to be, which is, you know, like a five, six war per year player is going to get you like a consistent 35 to 40 bombs and play honestly pretty good. I'll say pretty good defense. Um, $30 million per year is great. 
I mean, because that's what this is at the end of the day. This is thirty point one million dollars per year, and uh, you know what? For a premium position for a dude who is twenty five, entering his age twenty um, six season, so he'll be entering, I guess, his age twenty seven season by the time the contract actually starts. That's pretty fucking good, especially if the trend of contracts continues as it has been going, which is only steeply and steeply more up. Um, that's a pretty fucking good contract. Um, let me see. Or He'll be getting fielders. paid $3 million more per year than Trey yeah. Turner and $7 million per year less than Jacob deGrom. Mm-hmm. He's basically getting paid roughly the same as Alex Bregman. Sixth, seventh highest paid infielder uh, in MLB. Uh, uh, you know, comparing this to the rest of the shortstop contracts that have gone out this year and also haven't gone out this year, which we'll discuss next. Um, it's great. Also, and he's he again. I love that he's twenty six and that he's not signed until he's forty one years old. Another thing to consider because we talked about this when we were talking about how immensely frustrating it was that the Yankees signed or, or took on the contract of Josh Donaldson, and you know, how they had this routine of taking on these upper teens what? into the twenties, millions of millions of dollars uh, uh, per year contracts when they knew they had other things that needed to be accomplished along the way. Hold on. Now I'm curious. What is this reaction to? Uh, I'm looking at the contract that Jose Ramirez signed. J Ram. Yeah. I fucking hate it. Yes. It's That's not good. insane. Why would you sign it? I guess ah. this was, I don't know, man. I don't know. He makes a criminally low amount of money. Yeah. Yeah, it's a ridiculously bad contract. For anyone who does not recall, it's uh, seven years, $141 million, or a touch over 20 mil per season, which is just he, nowhere near what he's worth. He's making $14 million this season. Less than Chris Taylor, Brandon Crawford, Josh Bell, everyone else, Josh Donaldson. He's making two thirds as much as Josh Donaldson. For for what is going to be significantly more production. Yeah. And again, speaking of Josh Donaldson, like you know, that was one of the reasons that the Yankees signing him was so frustrating, or again picking up his contract was because there's no planning for the future there. It's it's tough to stomach letting players that you would otherwise like to see your team acquire, like Carlos Correa, or retain, like um, Rafi Devers. Uh, it's tough to stomach seeing those players not get re-signed or signed in the first place because you have bad, dumb contracts on that are potentially interfering with signings you knew for a fact would eventually be taking place, whether it's a re-signing or an impending free agent. And so to see Rafi Evers be signed and locked up, and this is not new information. This is not new thinking on this at all. This is very old fashioned to see Rafi Evers locked up for the next, I guess kind of like 10 years really is not only a good thing for Rafi Evers, It's a good thing for the GM of the team because now you have a piece 
that is a good piece, a young player, uh, so much security in your left side of the infield in in uh, that spot, you know, that third base spot, that you have the ability to adjust your signings and your willingness to spend on position other positions uh, significantly more clear. You know, there's a lot more clarity around, all right, well, if I spend X amount for the next three years in three years time, what else do I have to worry about trying to accommodate? You know, who else has come up or who have we signed from, say, Japan recently that might end up being someone that we have to look into locking back up? It, it, it provides better clarity for your future. The, the more that you have um, stabilized your your team, your, your uh, the positions on your team, uh, it's solely a good thing. So happy to see it, especially when you consider Boston's um, payroll situation, which is like fucking nothing, man. Boston right now, obviously the Rafi Devers signing not in here yet, are 14th in payroll below the Cubs at one hundred and thirty eight million dollars. Like that's just it's just nothing. You add in the fact that uh. Chris Sale, that's including the Rafi Devers 17 and a half mil for the season. So that's inclusive of that, which is nuts. Uh, coupled with the fact that Chris Sale is going to be coming off of your books in two years. I, I mean, cool. Like that, that'll clear up another 15 to 17 million bucks. Ah, uh, God, why is Kenley Jansen here? I asked myself again, knowing damn well there's no right answers. I mean, Corey Kluber's a short-term patch. It's going to be going. Same thing can be said about James Paxton, uh, Matt Barnes, Kenley Jansen, even though it's confusing, he's here, will be gone by the end of the following season. Like, there's not a lot of clarity as to where the Red Sox are right now, but that's okay because by signing Rafi Devers, they've extended their ability to revamp the team and give better clarity to what the the configuration of of the roster might look in three years by ensuring that they have at least that piece along with i guess trevor story secure yeah i think did you see the discussion about i'm forgetting his name um yoshi their, their new signing uh I only know it from Mario. Oh, Masataka Yoshida? Yes. Um, how he was planning on playing the market during his entire posting period, but the Red Sox offered such a ridiculously high number compared to all other teams that he took it day one. I was not aware of that, no. Uh, I think Dan, uh, my old roommate who I mean, lives in Boston, to be uh, fair, sent five, me a video discussing it. Five uh, years, ninety million is a lot. Just yeah, like, a, yeah, apparently Japanese media was utterly shocked. No one came close. I, I don't want to. You know, I have no idea who he is or, um, you know, what he plays like to the level in which he plays. But that's got to be something. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, again, if anything else, the Red Sox know that they've got Trevor Story, Rafi Devers, and apparently Masataka Yoshida for the next few years. I just realized Justin Turner's on this team. What? 
Holy shit, I forgot I about that. completely missed oh this. Oh my god, this was like a month ago. Whoa, where's yeah. he playing? Yeah. First base? Mm -hmm. Second base? DH, I assume. Oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Because he's 50? He's 38. Damn. The Red Sox have several players over the age of 35. That's wild. Where did he play last year? He was with the Dodgers last year. Yeah, but like I'm I'm talking position wise. I want to look it up. <laughs> um uh, I Touche. Yeah, he's still got five hundred and thirty two plate appearances. Yeah, not um, money, it's fine. He played third and DH exclusively. Where can I see the breakdown? How do you see the breakdown? Standard fielding? Who owns the breakdown? Here we go. Here we go. Satellite radio. Uh, 66 starts at third base, 62 at DH. Okay. Yeah, so he'll be DHing. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, just looping back to Rafi Devers, his defense was actually a lot worse last year than I recall it being. 24th percentile outs above average. And um, oh, Jesus. you might be saying to yourself, well, that's not so bad. And I guess it's not the worst ever. It's not good. Um, and in fact, it's the second best defensive season of his career. Yeah. Apparently in 2019, oh. he had 17 positive 17 outs above average. Every other season is negative. Um, last season, 2022, he had a negative two outs above average, which. Oof. Uh, not great, but I they mean everything such else is a amazing. Ass team. This team is not good. I mean, this it's all it's funny We're, because it it doesn't prevent them from getting worse because this team is bad, but it it like it provides a path forward that is positive without actually managing to make the the team today any better this would have been such a good team like three years ago maybe more probably a mix of more uh chris sale Corey kluber james paxton nick pavetta and garrett whitlock is a is a fucking nuclear bomb of a rotation uh kenley jansen and the rest of their relief pitchers are just uh they do not inspire hope. Connor Wong at catcher, Tristan Cassis, Christian Arroyo, Rafael Devers, Trevor Story, Masataka Yoshida, Kiki Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, Justin Turner. Like, yeah, you have Devers and Story. That's your team. Those are the two guys going on your banners. But uh, just such a low ceiling. Uh, oh, yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, do you think they hit seventy wins next year? Um, with with the rest of the AL East improving and the Red Sox, I mean, I guess their team is slightly better than last year. Kind of offensively, they are gonna have to produce and they have to be healthy pitching. I just I don't see them being uh, uh, 
healthy whatsoever. Do you think um, the value of Rafi Devers and his ilk is improved greatly, a little or not at all, by the fact that the shift is about to be banned? Because left-handed hitter, theoretically, all left-handed hitters, theoretically, should be seeing a boost to their offense heading into uh, 2023, right? Because they are the most aggressively shifted against. Additionally, Rafi Devers defensively might have an easier time without the shift. I, I, I'm I'm trying to actually figure out how the third baseman may be affected by a lack of shift. They actually might be the most insulated from it, so it might mean nothing at the end of the day. Um. Uh, but regardless, left-handed hitters, um, like, do you think that there's that additional little tinge to maybe incentivizing the Red Sox front office and getting the signing done early, or at least before this upcoming season? Uh, I think all of their excuse me, I think all of their intentions are just boy, we're all going to lose our jobs if we don't sign them. I think we need to get this done as soon as fucking possible so that, you know, we are still here come the all-star break. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I I do not know enough about the inner workings of baseball to really understand how losing the shift is going to affect position players to that extent or offense. I don't know. Josh, I'm too think? stupid to have an opinion. Well, that's a bad take. Plenty of stupid people have much larger opinions. Do you, uh, do you think Carlos Correa is alive? I think he was decapitated. And uh, Boris is basically just weekend at burning all of these visits. I said that like two weeks ago. I said, really? I said that we're just a couple weeks away from finding out that uh, Carlos Correa died after the end of the season. He's been weekend <laughs> at being, being he's been weekend at Bernie's by um, Scott Boris. Yeah. Uh, this is not what, what's nuts about this saga to me. The craziest bit about this saga to me is that it's not Correa's back that people have issues with. Because if this was Correa's back, you'd say, oh, okay, well, he's had back problems, so no Mm -hmm. surprise. But it's like mystery illness, we think, in the ankles that has never come up before that has caused the cancellation or reworking of two contracts, two mega contracts, not like two one-year contracts. I'm blown away by it. I I know the chances of us knowing the exact details are slim, at least at the foreseeable future. I can't fucking wait until we start getting those rumors because they're going to be so much fun. Terrible for Carlos Correa. Sucks for him and his Twitter account, but will be fun for us. I feel like we're going to find out that Carlos Correa got told he has like six months to live. And is like, mm. no, no, I'm good. I promise. Because he's been posting too many pictures on his social media. I don't follow him normally, so maybe they're just like cropping up nowadays. 
but it seems like a man who's desperately trying to prove that he is happy, healthy, and is going to be okay. I, I, it feels like a doctor was like, "Sir, you are death." I'm surprised you're even standing here. You have 36 hours to live. <laughs> and Carlos Correa is like, "No, I will be playing baseball for the next 11 years." And the doctor's like, "Sure thing, buddy." Jeez. <laughs> uh, I've never seen anything like it. We've heard of deals getting restructured yeah. or changed or altered because of medicals. They haven't happened with a lot of like blockbuster players. So even in that front, again, I think we said this a few weeks ago, it's still pretty new. But to because the other compounding issue of it is the fact that Steve Cohen has already said, yeah, we signed Carlos Correa to this contract right here with all these details. And mm-hmm. everyone's saying that if you don't now sign him to that contract, there's a pretty decent like labor dispute that could be taking place in in court which i fucking know nothing about ain't no lawyer man Um, i think that's ridiculous though tell me more uh just the idea that you can offer someone a contract that is undoubtedly structured so that it is pending approval of a physical by team doctors and then having something come up during said physical I mean, who cares if you made an offer of the contract if there's a stipulation that was not, you know, quote unquote, fulfilled in a legal sense, then what how can you argue that? Oh, well, he tweeted it. So I have to get some money from this deal. That's insane to take the the, the contrasting perspective uh, only because. While I do understand the merits of your points, arguing for a billionaire feels yucky. Um, oh, I hate that. But I know, I know, I know, uh, I know, which is why I'm going to take the contrasting opinion. Um, if your lawyers say, hey, Stevie, there's a 2% chance we could get sued if you tweet this, so just don't do it. Um, feels like a pretty easy thing not to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe it, it should be looked at as a big fucking idiot tax but for a billionaire owner who to whom this money means nothing. I don't think he even did tweet about it specifically. I don't recall. Because that's the other thing. This has been dragging on for so fucking long. I don't even care anymore. It's it's like not even interesting because by the time it does get official, should he still be with the Mets? It's going to be so old hat that like a new article won't even be written about it. Mm-hmm. We've gone over possible Mets opening day lineups, or what does this mean for Carlos Correa? What does this mean for the Mets? What does this mean for Mr. Smiles? Like, we all fucking know. <laughs> yes, I still love uh, Francisco's Lindor's nickname. Um, <laughs> like, it, it, it's so disinteresting um, because it, we've been talking about it forever, but the only interesting part about it now is that it hasn't been made official. That and any potential lawsuits. I did see something uh today, I want to say, from um uh, the Bowtie man, I think it was, saying that um and the th- rumor is that there's a new structure to the contract being formed now and it will be drastically different from the one that was signed/announced a while ago. Um But what I mean, what does that mean? You, you know, doesn't feel like much. I'm honestly just excited to see the 
drop off that occurs in you know the size of the contract because that's going to be wildly telling on the extent of this injury. By the way, real quick, Kenny Rosenthal's tweet was Carlos Correa's new deal is expected to be quote unquote dramatically different when he finally signs. That could mean literally anything. Yeah. I mean, because the other the other thing that's that seems so odd about it is it seems to have such an easy fix, which is throw in like, I don't know, two more club options. That way it's like, uh, we're done. Just like, uh, yeah, you have no. no more ankles. You, we, we, we had to give you a double ankleectomy and uh, we're gone. I think I'm going to put my money on it being something arthritis related. Yeah, because you can just cortisone shot those away. Yeah, but do you want to be giving your, you know, star player 162 cortisone shots? It depends on how much you love needles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My father used to get them every so often for his back. Those are not needles you have fun with. That came. That's. Um, <laughs> Tell me about the needles you have fun with. Don't don't, don't use me. needles, people. <laughs> what kind of fun are you having with those needles? I have never once had fun with a needle. I tell the nurse every time I go in to get a Corbin's shot that I will life. not take this well. I'll be okay. Just know that I might say some choice words at you while you're doing it. The Panic in Needle Park is a biopic of Corwin Heller's day to day existence. <laughs> That is his active reality. Hell yeah. Um, fucking, I was gonna say some shit. Don't know what the hell it was. I whatever I want it to be. I hope it's as weird as possible. Like I hope they say, you know, we investigated Cray's ankles, and it turns out he just doesn't have them. (laughs) 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 He's got legs and then feet. We don't. It's one bone. There's no joint. We can't explain it. <laughs> They're just not there. I hate you. Carlos Correa's feet are actually hands. No, that would be funny. They're afraid of his power. Just playing like a straight monkey out there. Just running on all fours. Throwing, you know, daggers to first base with his right leg. He's been trying to get approval to use those. Uh, Dude, could you gloves? imagine a pitcher using his feet, but with the dexterity of a hand? How would no. that work? Uh, it would not. That is that is a made up. Would... It's a made up life. I want to think about this some more. It's, okay. That, that'll be that'll be an after podcast thought train. Um, is there anything else going on in the world of baseball for you? Hall of Fame voting has started, but it, it, we're not very far along in the process, and there's not enough votes that have been tallied and released for us to get, gather any information. So it's like, who fucking cares? Um, Eric Hosmer signed with the Cubs, so you know. Oh, cool! Insert go joke pound here. Sand. In in Chicago, um, yeah, yeah, who gives a shit. Does ah. that mean 
the Padres are off the hook for money we owe him or or no? No, he'll sign for vet minimum. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, so get fucked. Uh I'm calling through Gene Segura sign with the Marlins. Which feels like uh hey, good job. About that. We might have. You know, we couldn't have. It's happened six days ago. I haven't talked to you in weeks. Yeah. Well, anywho, um, I guess let's pivot on over to football. I'll see if any other outstanding baseball topics. No. No. Okay. Well, in that case, let's start off with the the sad and difficult news, uh, which is that uh, in Monday night's NFL game uh, between the Bills and the Bengals, um, Demar Hamlin got tackled um and from all accounts we can understand essentially he got tackled in the chest stopping his heart we've i've heard of this happening not even just in football i, I remember hearing this happening once in like a little league baseball game on a comebacker to the pitcher like if there is like a weird timing thing with the heart where if you get hit with enough force like in some specific timing of the beating process it can essentially like re- reverse defibrillate the heart and cause it to cease uh which is apparently what ended up happening to uh Demar Hamlin on the field CPR was administered he's been taken to the hospital he's where he still is as of us discussing this very serious incident um i've heard uh incidents where it causes the heart to skip a beat and then that causes the cardiac arrest which i'm no doctor um, but the fact that he was able to get up and walk around i don't think you can do that with a arrested heart um i assume that's what it would have been based off of no medical knowledge whatsoever um regardless though we quinn and i were watching it live um and the second they cut back to it and the announcers didn't have anything to say and they weren't just going through standard day-to-day business immediately jumped out glaringly that this is very different. Yeah. Um, and that's really been one of the big stories to come out of this. Obviously, Demar Hamlin, uh, from is recovering. He's at the hospital. He's with his family. Um, currently intubated. Last I saw, but from what I have heard, progress is being made, and he should be receiving some very good care. So uh, a lot of optimism around that. And I've heard nothing but really good responses from uh, fans as well about you know all the players. And this is a freak thing, and I think there's been a very good understanding about that you know there's no talk of the the type of hit there's no uh, special condemnation of the sport you know this truly is a freak occurrence much like when alex smith snapped his leg in half the real story around this from at least the, you know, the media i've consumed over the past couple of days has been around the nfl's handling of it uh i did not watch the game live i found out about all of this uh like morning after mm-hmm. um so could you speak to kind of like what 
the course of events were that evening? Um, yeah, basically the incident happens. Um, they cut to commercial as um, trainers, you know, went onto the field, standard operating procedure. Nothing seemed amiss. Um, and they come back after a, I don't know, I didn't time it, but it seemed like a normal length commercial break. They were still surrounding him on the field. An ambulance was now on the field. They were basically just saying, hey, we don't know exactly what happened yet. The players surrounding him and, and um, uh, team members around him were basically blocking view so that they couldn't see in. They weren't getting reports. They didn't know what was going on, but they understood it was a very serious situation. And um, basically it was just cutting back between commercial and little tidbits of information as they got it. Um, it wasn't anything egregious. It, it was solely just kind of a like, Hey, this is very serious. We don't exactly know what happened. This is what led to this. This is like, they would showed like a couple uh, replays of him getting up and then collapsing. And then after the second commercial break, they kind of cut that out too. Um, and then after what was it like 21 minutes? Uh, and he was taken off the field. Um, it was still kind of a, we don't really know what's going on. We saw all of the reactions in real time from all of these players. It was unreal seeing their reactions in essentially real time because that, if them not really knowing what to say kind of was the first red flag of, oh, this is different, seeing players just openly start weeping and the thousand yard stares and just like the genuine shock that you see around like car accidents and natural disasters and you know war film from the front lines like it was gut-wrenching like the imagination running what's going on what happened all of that um and then after he was taken off the field, they cut to commercial, they come back. That's when Joe Buck was like, yeah, I think they're getting like five minutes to warm up and prepare, but no one on either team is really doing so. We don't really know what's going on. That whole aspect of the story, I think, is just kind of a, this isn't NFL being egregiously terrible, you know, evil corporation. I think it's genuinely just like nobody really knows what's going on. Communication is all over the place there. Somebody just kind of pulled that out of thin air or misheard or kind of chalked it up to what the standard status quo would be for like a Ryan Shazier or similar situation where, they're alive, you know, they're, they're talking, they're, you know, conscious, all that, but there was a significant delay. Um, outside of that, it was just kind of a, Hey, this is horrible. We're all really shook up about this. A hundred percent of our thoughts and focus should be on DeMar Hamlin. Let's just figure all of this shit out later and call this game. And inevitably after like half an hour, that's what they did. From my understanding, uh, from reading some reports yesterday and today, um, 
NFL did not call the game, which is part of why this has become kind of an issue. Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott said, fuck you, we're not playing this game. Like the NFL told them, you guys have five minutes to warm up your team and get back out in the field. And McDermott and Taylor got together and said, that's fucking insane. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that. And left. And that's been the controversy. And based off of the film they showed of those two communicating, that seems incredibly plausible. It, it looked like that's the conversation they were having. Yeah. And and really, that's what I mean. It's like it's one of these things to, to borrow a Corwin phrase. It's one of those things where it's one of those things. I don't think anyone necessarily expects the NFL to have a playbook on how to handle a near death experience from a player on the field. But one would hope that the presence of mind would say, hey, don't force the teammates to finish that game. You know, it's like you don't have to necessarily have every precise moment or possible occurrence mapped out. Uh, but for one thing, you probably should, with how violent the sport is, have something. I was going to say, they should at this point. They really, continue. They really, really should. Uh, and number two, uh, someone almost died on the field. Yet don't finish the game. Guess what? Scheduling nightmares be damned. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not worth it. And like that's I, disappointing. Go ahead. Like, I understand that this was a critical game for playoff implications and was hyped as, you know, one of the biggest games of the season and everything that comes with that. I don't understand you know mental health aside and mental you know the longevity of the mental duress um how the hell would you expect anyone to kind of come back into that game and make any sort of tackle whatsoever like purely from a only football on the field perspective how would that game have even possibly unfolded well, and be, even beyond that, or compounding upon that, I should say, consider what organization we're talking about here. It's the NFL. You fuckers don't have a good track record when it comes to player safety. You had to change concussion protocols this season, midway through the year, because you failed to attack of Iloa so bad that it became national news. And guess what? He's still not probably finishing the season because he got concussed again. And then like three weeks later, we had the Nikhil Harry situation or Devontae Parker situation. And this is not even new to this year or weird to this year. Well, it's just one more thing to compound upon this year specifically. We're having complete revamp discussions around turf because of the, uh, ongoing injuries constant slew of of acl injuries and other such injuries that are non-contact injuries especially which are some of the scariest ones uh because of turf and this is all coming on top of years years of increased scrutiny on the nfl and their treatment of players and player safety around concussion protocols cte uh, and, and 
generally speaking, just play your safety in, in terms of the game. And for them to, that's the real thing. It's not like the NFL has a lot of um, public kind of forgiveness, you know, a lot of a lot of good grace in the public eye. They're, they're not they don't have anyone's benefit of the doubt. They they have been sued for covering up the long term effects of CTE from prospective and former players to help mitigate their financial responsibility for those injuries. For you to see a player almost die on the field and to insist like no 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 this game matters for the playoffs where we make money you will finish the game and only being thwarted by two reasonable human beings going i don't think we're doing that there chief um is kind of fucked up kind of kind of kind of really fucked up um I don't know how you run an organization with such a dereliction of duty when it comes to the health of your workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so directly, uh, you know what I mean? Like you could, this would be a lie. I'm going to start with that. This would be a total lie, but you could lie to yourself and say, Jeff Bezos just doesn't have control over what happens at those warehouses. <laughs> They're managed at the more lo- local level. That's not true. You could lie to yourself like that. This went to Roger Goodell. Like we all know it went to Roger Goodell. There's no chance yeah. in hell. Like he they showed the okay on this. They showed the head referee on his cell phone in the tunnel having an extended conversation. Who else is that conversation gonna be with? Mike Florio in New York with Fox Sports? I don't think so. <laughs> the the GMs of the teams? Nope. I am just so fucking exhausted of dealing with quote unquote corporate America being handed just hand over fist full of evidence that what they are doing is destructive and and inevitably um, cancerous to everyone involved, including themselves. And then just the only response we ever get is, eh, we'll deal with that later. Here's here's an olive branch. That means nothing. Uh, we're just not going to do anything at all. It's so fucking exhausting. This is specifically a capitalism problem. Yeah. You are correct. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, whatever. I know. I don't want to call out capitalism in a sports podcast, even though we do it every week. Yes, I say that's not exactly new for us. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's just wild to even think about what the playoff implications of this are because it's like who fucking cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, you you know what? If you had to add in an extra week, who fucking cares? I don't. Who fucking I cares? I really don't. You could push back the playoffs, the Super Bowl, fucking everything. I don't give a shit. Nobody gives a shit. Any of it matters. You can't do it. None of it does. Mm -hmm. We've made all this up. It's a man carrying a ball shaped like an egg. Mm -hmm. None of this matters. Uh, I'll be honest. uh, The quote unquote personal connection to this is 
I had Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd starting in my fantasy championship this week, and I needed both of them to perform to win. I don't give a flying fuck if I now lose by 40 points because their game gets taken off the board. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a fake game. The NFL is a quote-unquote fake game that's played by real people. None of it fucking matters. And that's what I have to, again, say was has been encouraging from all this is that really I have not seen the fantasy hardcore dudes be like, what's happening with the game? I haven't seen, you know, what was it Bengals, Bills fans shitting on the Bengals or vice versa. I kind of forget which team is which at this point. Like, it really has been a very appropriate response from what I've seen from what is one of the least rational groups of people in America. NFL football fans um, in a, just mutual agreement that this is an unfortunate occurrence that puts perspective in the rest of what the sports world is. And the NFL failed. Um, mm-hmm. The only bad take I've seen has been Skip Bayless so far. I, I've heard the outrage, but I also avoid him and what he says. What did he say? Um. Let me see if I could pull it up real quick. But in essence, it was just uh, in the heat of the moment. Uh, <laughs> it was a tweet that was like, ah, you can't cancel a game. No matter uh, what, was, this is oh, too it was a scheduling concern. Yeah. Uh, Suck a dick. He's also, I saw a clip today saying that he wasn't going to delete it. Um, I guess. God, what yeah, that's I, the hot was take. January 2nd. Um, January 2nd, uh, that's all like Raiders and whatever. I can't imagine that is what he was discussing. Uh, did he actually delete it? Uh, oh, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly becomes so irrelevant, or which suddenly seems so irrelevant. He got ratioed pretty hard. Deservedly so. Yeah, 44,000 likes, 82,000 retweets, 107.7 thousand responses. Yeah, I, I no, especially because it's 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 uh wrong. Um, Ooh, it's really? it's it's wrong. Right now, the Bills and Chiefs are both in the playoffs. Chiefs are the first oh. seed. Bills the second seed. If you oh. want to make an argument for the seeding of it, who fucking? But like at the end of the day, it has a hundred and sixty-four million views. That's a large number. Holy shit! Yeah, that's quite a large number. Uh, just real quick. The implications for the playoffs are are not large. I mean, like at all. Yeah. The difference between first and second seed has been so reduced in severity. Uh, it it not to say it doesn't matter in the slightest, but it really barely does. And I'm willing to bet that because both of those two teams, if if you ask, if if you went up to the coach at uh, coaches of both teams and said, "Hey, circumstances of being what it is." We gotta flip a coin. I think the mm-hmm. coaches are gonna be like, okay, cool, yeah, heads. We take heads. Uh, 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 
It just doesn't matter. Or, or we can or we can go to one of our many tiebreak procedures. Who the fuck cares? Oh, fuck Honestly, it, as it was occurring, my first thought was just like, let's just it's a tie game. Both teams go home. It's marked a tie. It's not really going to affect either one's, you know, playoff implications, whatever. It doesn't matter. Tie game. Everyone just go home. I mean, seriously, it's. Uh... Oh. The details of how you make up the playoff seating is so incomparable to the severity of situation mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. Yeah, agreed. So I say we leave it there for now, unless you have anything else for it. No, I do not. All right, let's leave it there. We'll update on DeMar Hamlin's health, perhaps, should we get any substantive uh, progression um, by the next show. But otherwise, uh, thoughts to him and his. Uh, to close this out, though, I'd like to shit on the Jets. For being oh, the be thing nice that continues to make my heart hurt, um, the Jets have been officially eliminated from, eliminated from the playoffs. Um, it hurts. Oh, it hurts every year. Every year I expect it, and every year it hurts when it happens. Does this hurt more than usual? It because does. There was hope this year. You know how many points the Jets have scored in the last two weeks combined? Nine. Nine points. In the last two weeks of NFL football, they have scored three field goals. That's it. If you include the game prior to that, the Lions game that they lost that dropped them down to a 500 record of 7-7, and the Jets scored... Immediately 26 points, which is um, not a lot. And of the Jets, 17 points that they scored in that Lions game. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's how that one was supposed to go. Uh, one of them was a touchdown. One of sorry, two of them were touchdowns, one of them was a field goal. So even then, so it's it's four field goals and two touchdowns in the last four three games, which is just oh, that's tough. That's really tough. And uh, look, man, you know we watched the Lions game and we're like, ah, got we got Wilson, we got Zach Wilson. <laughs> Boo! Fuck you. But hey, it'll get better when Mike White gets back. Um, and then we watched the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and Zach Wilson was even worse. Uh, and then Chris Strebler came out, and we're like, ah, well, that's fun. See, this team can do it. We just need Mike White back. And then Mike White came back, and let me tell you, things did not improve. Mike White, 23 for 46. It's a cool 500 completion percent um, or 50 percent completion percent, 240 yards, which is just not a lot. Two interceptions, which were both horrendous and his fault. Uh, Four sacks, quarterback rating of 47. No touchdowns. I will say um, 
Mike White has shown he can be an effective passer in the NFL. Um, putting the entirety of the game on Mike White's shoulders doesn't necessarily seem like a effective game plan. I understand you were playing behind for like the um oh what is it uh game flow uh kind of forced your hand on that one but um yeah he seems like a very good backup quarterback to have not not your starter agreed I and this is the performance of a Mike White that I was expecting to get uh, when he was first starting for the Jets a handful of weeks ago. Um, and the problem for me is that this really highlights how vital the quarterback position is to the modern NFL team mm-hmm. because our defense is good. And even in these losses, they have looked really quite good. They've let up, yeah, some long runs and some long passes, but show me a game where a defense doesn't allow one or two. It happens, you know. Um, but they've been on the field so much and have looked really, really great. The running backs have looked kind of eh. Bam Knight's been been good. Michael Carter's fallen off a cliff. They're missing Brees Hall for sure. But like, it hasn't been anything bad. And the wide receivers look like shit, but the wide receivers look like shit because they're not getting the opportunity to make catches because their quarterbacks have been pathetic. Like when our wide receivers have gotten the ball, they've been relatively shorthanded. We've had some drops from Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios that have you know been a f- damaging for sure. But part of the reason that they've been so damaging is the fact that catchable balls are tough to come by in this economy. And, uh, the Jets are in such an unfavorable unfavorable position right now because they are heading into a free agency's period with a bunch of really scary options and don't have a high enough draft pick for you to lie to yourself and say that they can just draft a quarterback. I don't know what we do. Does Derek Carr go to the Jets? Do my nightmares <sighs> come true and Tom Brady goes to the Jets? Oh, God, how would you feel retirement? about that? Disgusted. I'd 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 cry. Really? Real man tears. Okay. And I know I'd cry because you would fucking get me a goddamn Brady Jets jersey. I know it already. Uh the thought did not cross my mind when you first mentioned that, but without question that would occur at some some point. A hundred percent you would, because you're an asshole. And you know what I would do? I am an asshole. I can't throw it away because it's a Jets jersey and a gift from a friend. So I'd have yeah. to keep that ugly fucking jersey. Bury somewhere in my closet to find it every now and then and remind you know, myself that I, don't, I hate myself. You know, I don't think I would get you a Jets jersey um, because we got Ethan a branded Marshall Giants jersey once. No, you I'm, got me a branded Marshall Jets jersey once. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, never seen it. And I think the Tom Brady jersey would disappear into a dark, dark corner of your closet. So I think I'd buy myself a Tom Brady Jets jersey and just choose to wear it often. Well, now I'm going to wear my Brandon Marshall Jets jersey when I see you next. <laughs> You're just hanging in my closet. As we Did we get Ethan a jersey? I don't remember. I think we got him a Saquon jersey. Do we get him an Odell one? Saquon doesn't uh, maybe ring we a got, bell. Maybe we did get him the Odell one. I know he has a skill position player somewhere on in his closet hiding 
Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair anywho. Enough. Um, it's it. Like you want to sit here and say it's encouraging to see the Jets go seven and nine because seven wins is a lot more than what we had last year. There's been some good signs with the drafting, and I I I don't I'm not overly hard on like Joe Douglas or Robert Sala at this point in time because I think they have accomplished quite a lot with very little, especially in this division, which is, I mean, one B, uh, no probably the probably the third best division in the NFL. It's probably NFC East, then AFC North, and then AFC East. Um, probably how I would rank them. But and you know, you look at all the teams around the NFL that have found success, and they all have quarterbacks that they can very readily point to. The sole exception being the San Francisco 49ers, but I really wouldn't put too much stock in that aberration, you know. Shanahan is just special, man. He can he can make that shit happen. Only once every now and then when he's kind of on the hot seat. Don't worry about it. We'll be back to being bad next year. I mean, even look at how Tampa Bay has done with Tom Brady this year. It hasn't been great. They have one more win than the Jets. Like, that's not good. So, you know, it's... Yeah, but they won their division. (laughs) Which is even more damning, honestly, because the the Jets division's better. So much better. So, um. I'm not going to be too hard on them because I feel like if the Jets had a quarterback, no one would stop sucking those two dudes as dicks. Deservedly so. Uh, But the fact that that one piece has proven so difficult to pan out, I don't necessarily fault them for. You know, coming in with Zach Wilson and then having him not be the best while the rest of the team improves around him, that's tough. But like, also, what are you going to do if the yeah. quarterback sucks? Like, yes, he was the second overall pick. There was a guy behind him who was very successful or is showing the potential to be very successful. But top picks fail literally all the time. You didn't pull a San Francisco and spend a fortune in draft picks to acquire him. It was your own pick. You're not locked into a long-term excessive contract with him like Denver is with Russell Wilson. Oof. All things considered, the Jets are in a place where they can springboard. Uh, one free agent addition, one draft pick, anything like that. And, you know, things can happen. Uh, very quickly, and I I would not be a disappoint uh, a disappoint di- disappointment is very understandable. I would still be very hopeful as a Jets fan. Uh, here is just a quick uh, snapshot of free agent quarterbacks heading into next off season: Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold again. Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Daniel Jones, although I wouldn't expect him to actually hit free agency. Case Keenum, Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Briskets, uh, Geno Smith, Joey Flacco, Andy Dalton, Mike White, CJ Beathard, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Lamar Jackson, Blaine Gabbert, Chase Daniel, Chad Henney, Nick Mullins, Drew Locke, Brandon Allen. This list gets so much worse, it's not worth continuing to go down. Um could you? I know it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And there's no point in like lying to myself that it could happen. Could you imagine Lamar Jackson on this Jets team? 
It would be awesome. Um, it definitely could happen. Why do you say that? Give me some uh, hope. The man doesn't have an agent, and I feel like a, he doesn't have an agent. He does not. He's a uh, self-representing player. Um, I think his dumb. mom assists him. It, it's very dumb. That's so stupid. I could oh, see a bridge being burned um, based off of a personal vendetta. And I don't know how much cap space uh, the Jets have. Um, seven. Seven. I, well, they, they would give him everything. And any team needy of a quarterback uh, would give him anything. But I feel like the Jets are honestly one of the better options, both with coach, defense, skill position players, future outlook. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't count them out. Um, uh, the New York Jets heading into the 2023 season are slotted to have the 16th most cap space, $15 million. So it's not excessive. I mean, oh, whoa, cap space. Sorry, I got to share this with you. I've never seen this before in my life. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have zero players signed in 2023. What? Their current cap space is all of it because they have zero dollars committed to payroll in 2023. I've never seen that. Like the Bears having $120 million is like, yeah, whatever. Like it's a huge, goofy looking number. But you see that, especially with young teams that don't have a lot of veteran contracts or what have you. The Bucks have zero players signed. Where where do you see that? I'm on spot track looking at 2023 cap. Drafting I am looking at 2023 cap under the team page. What? That has to be a a a because if you go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers page, go to salary cap for 2023, they have like a lot there. I agree because I see it. Um, I'm what? looking right at it. I don't know what to make of it. Summary? Yeah, they have 270 allocated towards the 2023 cap. 38 players signed. I agree. I'm I'm looking at it, but it, in the cap space tracker, it's not there. Therefore, it doesn't exist. Uh, okay. Yeah, go figure. Some some tough shit. There's but a yeah, draft the Jets, history page here. This is Jets could probably clear up more cap here. space than just the, the 15 million that they've got listed there using some fancy finagling. I would love the Jets to randomly turn into one of those cap isn't real teams for a little bit and just get massively good seemingly overnight. Oh, Lamar Jackson on the Jets, man. That'd be that'd be special. This is pretty. This is a pretty cool feature, and I'm I'm gonna lose some time too this off season. The the draft history page. Um, anything that you would like to say about your your Pittsburgh Steelers 
um, before we wrap up here, your um, local hometown Pittsburgh Steelers are currently um, yet to yeah. be eliminated mm-hmm. from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They are a bubble team. So um, the Bills need to win next week which I think coming off of what happened, they're going to be about as motivated as a team could mentally be. Uh, I'm confident in that. Um, but I also need the Jets to beat the Dolphins. I actually disagree with that. I think, if anything, with the Bills' position locked up and them only fighting for the first, like, they're in the playoffs. They've won their division. Yeah. Um, There's a pretty good chance that they're cakewalking through this next game with backups. Who are they playing? The Patriots. Um, fuck. Uh, either way, I need the Bills to beat the Patriots. I need the Jets to beat the Dolphins, and then the wow. Steelers to beat the Browns. Um, I think there's an 18 percent chance we make the playoffs. And I um, guess you also no, that wouldn't matter. I was gonna say you might need the Bengals to beat the Ravens, but the Ravens no. have 10 wins with the which the Steelers can't get to, so that doesn't yeah. matter. Um, regardless of the outcome of that. Kenny Pickett is the guy. He has it. He has the X factor. Is it what they're calling tiny hands now? Sorry. It, um, that is one it. Uh, he has it, a.k.a. tiny hands. <laughs> he also has it being that X factor. Uh, oh, you um, mean that I'm, dog in him. He's got that dog in him. I'm I'm all in on the Kenny Pickett train. I, I was very wishy-washy during the draft. I was upset. Uh, that it was because him he was a and pick not guy. Malik Willis. Uh, athletic upside. Uh, I thought Malik Willis had uh, the More arm talent that top guys did, and that it would be something to build around for the future. I didn't think Kenny had the ceiling to to be on that same level as you know Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, like the the young crop of exceedingly talented players. Um, that being said, he's got the mental aspect. He's got the mental makeup. He, that's arguably much bigger of a factor than arm talent. So I am all in on the Kenny train. How about fucking Mike Tomlin? Just the fucking best, man. We, we went out to dinner with some of Quinn's college friends on Sunday night. Uh, in which we ended up watching part of the the first half of the Steelers game on a phone um, in the restaurant. And the guys there were asking me like, hey, we've heard some rumors about Tomlin being on the hot seat, which occurs every fucking season. But he will be the Steelers head coach until he chooses he is no longer right for the position. Uh, he until he a, until he decides he's done working for a career. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Steelers will him. never get rid of him. They will do everything they can to keep him there. The culture that he creates in that building is unmatched in the NFL. I don't know how it could. How the fuck does this team start off pretty bad every year um, to some extent? Um, outside of that one season, we started like 11-0. Uh, injuries, bad quarterbacks, terrible offensive play calling, whatever it is, there is a rock bottom that we soar out of 
and I put that 100% on Mike Tomlin's shoulders. He is a top you have three full coach faith in, the NFL. in Mike Tomlin's rock bottom. I I do. He he has the cojones to lead this team anywhere. If he told me to jump off a bridge, I would do it. If he told me to run through a brick wall, I would do it. I would die in both cases, but I'd be happy doing it for Mike Tomlin. In this fictional story, that's completely hypothetical. I'm sure I would absolutely you would not die do running thing. into a brick wall. How fast do you think you can you run? Me? Have you met me? Unfortunately. Yeah. It could happen. Corwin is constantly led around by the balls of powerful men. Um, Touche. He is the best. I love Mike. We love Mike. Everybody likes Mike for president. Um, sick 1950s presidential campaign references. Uh, yeah. yeah. That went over my head. I like Ike. You like Ike. Everybody uh, likes Ike for president. Uh, yeah. I. White Eisenhower. Yes. 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 Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting last week um, as we head into the final week of NFL matchups. The only two, there's only two positions in the AFC that have yet to be filled. That is, who is going to be the winner of the AFC South? The Jaguars are the current favorite for that, uh, eight and eight. But their last game of the season is against the Tennessee Titans at seven and nine. And I believe, although I will do no further investigation of it, uh, if the Titans win, they own the tiebreakers over the Jaguars to take that division title and make the playoffs. Whereas if the Jaguars win, they lock up their division title and go into the playoffs at nine and eight. So there's that. And then the final seed, the seventh seed, which is currently being vied for between the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers, which is why Corwin detailed what he needs to happen and how. Uh, on the NFC side of things, the only spot left to be decided is the seventh seed. The division winners are all secured. That's the Eagles, Niners, Vikings, and Buccos. Um, the fifth seed being the Cowboys, the sixth seed being Los Gigantes. Um mm-hmm. Which is just so cool. Love it for the Giants to be back in the show. Um, the Seahawks are currently in the seventh seed. However, at eight and eight, they are liable to be dis, um, throned, dethroned by either the Lions or the Packers, who are both sitting at eight and eight, and fun enough, play each other <laughs> for a chance to lock up that seventh seed. Uh, whereas the Seahawks are playing the Rams, a team who is bad. So not good, very bad, and has nothing to do but play spoiler, which is always uh, a tougher matchup than anyone gives credit for. Uh, a team with nothing to to win for other than spurning a divisional opponent. Um, I speak from 2016 as a Jets fan. Ooh, scary. Um, whereas, again, the Lions have a chance to make the playoffs by winning over the Packers, which would be huge, whereas the Packers have had a chance of making the playoffs by punching a familiar-looking punching bag in the Detroit Lions. So, yeah, we'll find out. I think based off of uh, the Steelers' makeup, I would, of course, very much like them to make the playoffs. If they don't, I think I could still be happy with the outcome of this NFL season if the Jaguars and especially Lions make the playoffs. No, boo, fuck you to the Jaguars. I'll cheer for the Lions in the playoffs. Um, 
also the NFL should have a home run derby. What, Not like uh, the version of the home run derby. The NFL should have well, an actual home run derby. They're I can't I can't make that happen. But they are doing like the the skills challenge this year instead of an I know, actual Pro Bowl. You know, it would be really fun. I'm being completely serious. It would be really fun is if you let these behemoths of men hit baseballs. I think it would be hilarious and a lot of fun. Imagine where's the Pro Bowl this year? Do you know? Uh, isn't it always in Orlando now? I don't remember. Let's say it's in Orlando. I don't know which city's closer to Orlando, Miami or Tampa, but one of the two of them. Imagine them in like Marlins Park, aka Lone Depot. Go fuck yourself. And they just let them rip. They they get uh, a good batting practice pitcher to pump in seventy five mile an hour fastballs give those dudes bats and just let them figure it out. It'd be amazing. And you know, it tell me it wouldn't be so much fun. RIP Corlo. You'll be missed. All right, Corwin. Sorry. I had to go fucking bring Quinn something. Cause she couldn't get up for some reason. Whatever. Um, yes, I would very much enjoy watching guys like Aaron Donald pimp home runs. I don't honestly like looking back like a, a JJ Watt in his final send off versus TJ Watt in a home run derby would be utterly sick. It'd be amazing. You, we could have like size uh how funny would it be if, like, edge rushers, defensive tackles, offensive linemen had, like, the full field to hit these home runs and then, like, cornerbacks, wide receivers, whatever, had, like, a shorter uh, fence and then, like, kickers and punters just had, like, a little league field? No, disagree. You're forgetting that Mookie Betts is, like, four foot three and weighs 93 pounds. Yes, but he's also a professional baseball player. I know, but they're all professional athletes. Like you can't discount them from right. size, especially NFL play. Like, like you got to think about the fact that your average wide receiver looks like a twig, but can also do like fifteen reps of two twenty five, which makes them effectively a giant. I'm I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying Mookie Betts is you know a professional baseball player. And knows how to use his size to make ball go f- as far as possible. Um, I don't think, you know, fucking Marlon Humphreys is that tuned into his baseball skills. But that's what would make it funny. If you make it easier for the guys that can't quite do it, you're it's right. Not as I'm, funny. I'm worried about making this fair when I don't give a shit if it's fair. It I just want to see some be fair. funny shit. Yeah. Okay, you got me. Then we should put them in goals and make them stop pucks from NHL players. That should be the second challenge. That, we should give them non-football related sports challenges. That would be fun. Like a touch contest for 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 a soccer thing. Doesn't matter. Really cool. uh, yeah. Anyway, um any other thoughts before we skedaddle? Um Probably the coolest thing in sports I've seen all week uh, was darts. Uh, two nine darters going back and forth. 
Um, I won't spoil anything, but it was sick. You should go watch that clip. If you just search Twitter for darts, it'll probably be the only thing that comes up. Um, yeah. Um, I disagree. Darts is not that cool. So that's yeah. what I thought until I saw this. Give it a give it a give it a watch. No. It's energetic. Nah, that's silly. Um, all right. Well, then, in the meantime, uh, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juice Pop. If you follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corn Heller. If you follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juiceandnumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, we'll have a good day. Bye.